Well, I've had a very delightful time in being with you here this day. It's been a wonderful time, and I thank the Lord for it. If you have your Bibles this afternoon, I have a few scriptures, about seven or eight portions of scripture we want to look at. And afternoon services are always hard because it's so easy to want to go to sleep. I've never been a long preacher, but I'm especially a short preacher on afternoon services, so we're going to cover this ground as quickly as we can, and I just mainly want to encourage you with these thoughts this afternoon. Mark chapter 11, and I'll begin reading in verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, that kind of faith just sounds miraculous, doesn't it? Sounds like, man, I wish I had that kind of faith. And so for a little while this afternoon, let's look at some of the things in the Scriptures which kind of help us in our faith and in that faith in our whole prayer life. For if we believe that whatsoever we ask for shall come to pass, then, brethren, we're going to have what we ask for. Now, I've always love the whole subject of prayer. I've spent a lot of my ministry in very small churches, and God was pleased to give us growth and build us up. And brethren, I go to Isaiah chapter 32 this afternoon, and I read these verses. And I've been there before. I've been in places where it seemed like this was the case. And I'm going to tell you this afternoon that any church that's struggling to grow and to have the presence of God and the blessing of God, we've got to have this right here. Isaiah 32 and verse 12 says, They shall lament for the teats, for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine. Upon the land of my people shall come up thorns and briars, yea, upon all the houses of joy in the joyous city, because the palaces shall be forsaken." The multitude of the city shall be left. The forts and towers shall be for dens forever. A joy of wild asses, a pasture of flocks. Until. You see, things look bleak. And things look like they've just gone down to nothing. We see it just looks like it's gone barren all around us. Until. You know, I'm thankful that God gives us that until that there's a time in our life when He's going to make a great change in it. And how wonderful that is that we can anticipate and we can look forward to and we can expect God 
to do great things. You still believe God can do great things today? I tell you, I believe it. I believe it because we've got a God like we've got that still does great things until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a fruitful field and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Now, that's God's promise to us. When we began to look to God, this God, who can come and give us an until and pour out upon us the Spirit and the blessing and a time of reviving. You know, I, I know we've been praying for revival for a long, long time. But I look back through the years and I see, dear brethren, that God has revived us. Do you know that? I believe that God has revived us in many ways, in many places, that we have experienced God's reviving in our lives. Listen, we've got more families today that are raising their children around the things of God. You know, when my parents grew up, it was rare to have family devotions. It was rare to be able to see things that we're seeing now. And I believe that God has visited us in many places And we've seen times of reviving. I don't want to discount that. I don't want to say it hasn't been. I don't want to think, I don't want to be guilty of not thanking God for what He has blessed us with. And I tell you right now, we're looking for more. You know, old brother Sonny Pyle said one time that we pray for pennies when we should be asking for gold bars. And I feel like that's true in our lives sometimes. Let me give you another instance of that in. Uh, the 36th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. And we'll begin looking along about verse 36. 36, 36. And there again, he paints a picture. Verse 34. The desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places. I'm so thankful he still does. He still knows how to build the ruined places. He still knows how, dear brethren, to bless his people. I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Doesn't that sound like a wonderful promise that we can just lean on and expect God to come and do great things? Well, that's exactly what he's saying right here. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock as the holy flock. As the flock of Jerusalem in her solemn feast, so shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Oh, to be able to see the reality of that become true in our life. How does it happen? Well, God says, I'm going to be inquired of for this by the house of Israel. They're going to ask me for it. They're going to come and pray for this. And so what a wonderful promise we have this afternoon when we are a low people, when we're down and we feel like we're shrinking instead of growing. Where can we go? How do we find help? Well, I tell you, the help we have this afternoon 
It's in the Almighty God. It's in the Lord who knows how to build the waste places. So let's go back to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. I want you to be encouraged in your prayer life. I want you to be excited about your prayer life. You know, sometimes you ever get guilty like I do of just kind of going through the motions of things? Huh? We all, we all do that from time to time. We just, we get in the rut and we just kind of go through the motions. But what I want to be able to leave you with this afternoon is such a sight of the God that we serve that you might be greatly encouraged and motivated and stirred up in your prayer life again to call upon the great God whom we serve. All right? Chapter 11, verse 18. And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying... Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month, until it come out at your nostrils, and it be loathsome unto you, because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you, and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Now, Moses had seen God work in the land of Egypt. Moses had just witnessed ten plagues upon the land that broke them. He had seen the mighty power of God, and even Moses is taken back. And Moses said, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh, that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? Now, sometimes that may seem like that's the way we approach it. God, you've given us this promise, but Lord, do you really know what you just said? Do you realize that you're going to have to catch all the fish in the sea to do that? Are we going to have to sacrifice all of our flocks and herds for you to be able to do that? Now, listen to what God said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Well, let me ask you that question this afternoon. Is the Lord's hand waxed short? It's not. The Lord's hand is not waxed short. You mean we can come to God and expect Him to do great things and building us up? Well, let's don't be like Israel of old and set a limit upon God and say we believe that you can do this, but we don't believe you can furnish a table in the wilderness. And by that they limited the Holy One of Israel. The Lord's hand is not short. Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Verse 31. And there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Now the best that I can figure that That's about knee-deep. 
For as far as you can walk in a day's journey this way, and about as far as you can walk in a day's journey that way, they were wading knee-deep in quail. Now, I tell you, God's arm was not shortened then, and it's not shortened now. Let's don't limit God by putting upon Him this saying, Lord, we believe You did it back then, but we don't believe You can do it today. He's still the same God. And we love to sing that hymn in our book. He's just the same today. He is just the same today. He's still the awesome and the mighty and a God that's so high, we cannot lift Him high enough, dear brethren. He's so exalted, we'll never be able to get Him up where He deserves to be in our hearts and in our minds, in our expectations, in our prayer life, in our belief, dear brethren. God is so high. Let's don't bring Him down. You know, that's what He charged Israel with long ago. Psalm 50 says, Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as thyself. And that's what people of today are doing. They're bringing God down to man's level. But brethren, He's so high, and He's so exalted, and He's so lofty that we'll never be able to get Him high enough. No matter what exalted views we have of Him now, He's higher still. And that ought to influence us and in how we come to pray and how we see this God. Is His arm shortened? No, it's not. Well, let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 tells us how we should respond to these things. It tells us, dear brethren, in verse 5, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. Do you know what the word importunity means? It means shameless begging. My dear brethren, this man said, look, I need that bread. I got to have that bread. And he was going to knock on that door until that friend got out of bed. And that's what we're doing at Heaven's Gate. We're sitting there knocking, brother. We've become a shameless beggar. And we're not going to give up until God comes and He blesses us. Now that's the kind of view that we need of this God who's an awesome God and a mighty God and a great God today. He hasn't changed. He's still the great God. And my brethren, He's still able to come and bless a little body of people and give them hope and give them help and give them His presence. And what more could you possibly want than the presence of the Almighty overshadowing us and blessing us? And I tell you, if we never grow in numbers much, if we've got that, we've got it all. And finally, my dear brethren, the world tells you seeing is believing. You know, Jesus turns that right around in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, my dear brethren, he says in verse... Now, let's just start reading verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. 
Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. Now you skip down with me into verse 39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Now the world tells you still today that seeing is believing. But Jesus turns that right around and He says that believing is seeing. And my dear brethren, if we will believe in this awesome God, then we'll see some wonderful things that He will come and do. Do you believe that? I tell you, I believe what He said, that believing is seeing. I've seen it with my own eyes. I'm seeing it still today. We worship a great God and He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He's there and expects us to expect great things from Him. Daniel chapter 9. Here's the motivation, dear brethren. Daniel was an old man, chapter 9, verse 1. When he found by reading the Word of God, the prophet Jeremiah, that 70 years were to be accomplished in Jerusalem, and then God would come and visit them. Do you know what Daniel did? I can just see him now running through the paw, through the palace halls of Shushan, the palace, hollering for Meshach, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, saying, God is coming. He's going to visit us. We need to pray because He's fixing to send us back to the promised land. Hallelujah! I tell you, Daniel was excited and he began to set himself to pray. And when we see this God revealed in His Word, if that doesn't motivate us to pray, I tell you, nothing will. May the Lord bless you in my prayer.